Welcome to Women's Brew, where women talk about beer. In preparation for Sober October, we're joined today by low and no alcohol brewery, Sheep in Wolf's Clothing. I'm Joanne and this is Tori. What's up? And we're two beer-loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us. I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, so, Matthew, do you want to tell us who you are, what your role is, which brewery you're from? Tell us a bit about your brewery for anyone that doesn't know who you are. Yeah, sure. So, hello. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm Maddie Dixon. I'm the founder of Sheep and Wolves Clothing. Um, we're sort of a new brewery, made our first sale on July 14th of this year. And we're basically trying to focus on lower alcohol, so no low alcohol. Um, I mean, legally, I think our definitions are a bit looser than the government's, but we're trying to focus on 0.5% and 2.8% beers. So kind of what we would call proper session beers or non-alcoholic beers. And then we have a few that hit kind of 5.1%, but they're kind of um, on the back end of what we're trying to focus on. Um, and yeah, that's kind of um, the short summary of, I guess, who we are. Um we don't have our own home yet. We're working on that at the moment. Um, hopefully try and get something later this year. Although, you know, time always tends to push on the big things like this. But uh, we are working on getting a home. But at the moment, we're kind of a, a virtual brewery, I suppose you could say. We've been, you know, contract brewing or gypsy brewing on other people's kit um, to get our, our beers out there. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. That's really brilliant. So I guess before we start getting too many other questions i think joe obviously you you met me how, how, do you guys want to tell us like, how you guys met how we sort of got in contact because joe you found out and i was like what is this i love the name yeah. <laughs> well, it was a, a wonderful meeting at, at brew london like just wandering along oh look there's a really big dog what's going on here oh there's beers and it's like oh you're that woman from the podcast come and have our beer come and talk to us so, yeah, yeah, pretty much. The, I grabbed, grabbed her. She was trying to probably escape. I think you literally did. I think I was walking past yeah. and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> did you actually have the dog there? Yeah, the dog was yeah. there. We oh, took her down to Brew London. It was our, um, our, our speed bump technique. So we had him lying down yeah. in the bar. <laughs> basically, no one could uh, walk past without stopping. It would work so hard for me. <laughs> I I would have I would have been like can I just help you now for the rest <laughs> <Yeah>. of the <laughs> I am that person that goes into bars or or like it when we're out on the beer mile and I see a cute dog I'll be like can I can I stroke your dog please oh <laughs> I get really yeah. excited and you have a very cute dog anyone that wants to see what your dog looks like needs to go to your Instagram because you've got a photo on your Instagram we do. So and, uh, he has his own Instagram actually you should stalk on uh, I think that was Amazing. one of the first things that happened after we rescued him in November is he became a, a wannabe influencer so uh yeah his massive head is available in various photographs and guises sold I'll be on that right after this <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes that'll go in the show notes there'll be other people that are interested in that <laughs> brilliant tactic I think that is absolutely great and uh, how, how did you guys come up with the name for you, for um, the, obviously not the dog. Yeah, <laughs> or both. Max, uh, and it was a very complicated process. Um, he came with the name, so uh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Sheep of clothing. I mean, it, it kind of is exactly as it sounds. It's just a play on the idea of a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I think beer for a while now has been going that way, where beers are getting stronger and stronger, and the game is to make them not taste as strong as they are, right? And um, 
don't get me wrong, some of the folk out there are brilliant at it. Like this isn't detrimental, but I like drinking beer. And I like sitting in the pub with my mates drinking beers or, you know, enjoying beers at home. And my thing is I drink quite quickly. I would blame my lifetime of rugby for that, although I'm pretty sure that's probably not actually why. Um, <laughs> so if I sit there and smash, you know, these sort of 7% pluses, an hour and a half later, now I'm getting on a bit. I'm, I'm fast asleep under the table. And then the next sort of, I'd say the next day hurts. So the next three days hurt yeah. now that I'm getting on. Um, yes, yes, I relate so that. much. <laughs> so it's kind of the reverse of that. Our whole thing is about trying to create beers at a lower ABV that compete at higher ABVs. So we want our 0.5 to sort of sit and be able to be taste tested against sort of four and fives. We want our, our 2.8 to be able to be taste tested between kind of five and sixes. Um, and then, you know, our fives, we want to try and have them competing with like the, the seven pluses kind of thing. Um, and so that's kind of where the name comes from is the idea of we can hide something that is softer, but give it all the appearance and flavor and experience of a stronger beer. That's yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, while we move on to the, I guess the next, the next part of it, um, our next line of questioning, uh, I think we'll crack open a beer for this one. Pretty excited. So I thought um, maybe we'd probably start off on the 0.5% one. So we've got Small Kingdom IPA here. I, I love the labels. I was saying the one that we're going to have after. Uh, which is the black lager uh, this label might be one of my favorite labels because I just I love the neon colors that are that are used in in the majority of them and lots of pinks and purples and blues and I just absolutely love it who, who actually does your artwork do you design it do you have somebody else design it uh, it's kind of I guess a little bit of a collaboration so we had our brand made so we have kind of I think it's 12 brand colors so all the labels are using the same sets of colors and obviously the core range kind of have a pretty repeatable theme in terms of layout and the sheepies and things. And then the, the black lager was just a limited run. Um, it was kind of a happy, a happy accident um, to quote Bob Ross. Um, <laughs> basically we're working on a whiskey barrel conditioned black lager and um, we got it ready to try and get down to London and basically decided that diluting the uh, whiskey barrel stuff back with the black lager we had out, would have actually just been detrimental to the stuff in the barrel, um, you know, the learning process. So basically we canned the black lager as it was, and that's what that became. And then the, uh, the whiskey barrel got kegged, so we took that to Brew London. I think I remember trying to entice Joe with that one as the job one. And then um, the full version of that will be coming out hopefully in October. We have sort of we've learned, we have a load more barrels now, <laughs> sitting in, here, in, in getting the flavours up. Um, but yeah, most of the labels... Uh, start in my head and a sharpie and I draw them awfully to the point that a four-year-old would be embarrassed by the work um, and then we have a partner who you can find on the back of the cans for most of them it won't be on the black lager actually but on the other ones um, a guy called Lucas Booth who's basically I see at the bottom. Yep. so he's um, like a designer slash artist where basically I send over you know research and sketches and kind of wants and hopes and he makes what you know as I say, a small child would be embarrassed by it into something which we can then uh, use professionally. Um, but the whole ethos behind it is actually kind of Roy Lichtenstein and pop art. So um, I'm a slightly big fan of him. So that's kind of where the inspiration came from. Uh, so there's lots of stippling, sort of bold colours and, and strong outlines. And then the sheepies are kind of a nod, very subtle nod, but to kind of um, comic book artwork. So I don't know if I've actually read a comic book. I just really like the pictures. Um, <laughs> So kind of the Marvel stuff, you know, every character stands by themselves and is unique, but they all kind of belong at the same time. 
And so that's exactly what I want with the sheepies. So the ones on the cans are generally um, for that design. So the Small Kingdom, it's Pictish sheepies because we're from the northeast of Scotland. Um, <laughs> the ones around kind of the website on some of our merchandise, they actually all represent people um, who've helped us kind of get here. So each sheepie kind of has a story behind it in one form or another. Um, Max has one actually somewhere, which I think is on the website. Um, the big teddy bear dressed as a sheep. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I did I've I did notice you, that on your website. Yeah, I've oh, seen sorry, you sharing David. them on, on Instagram as well, quite the stories. I can't yeah. remember. I really like those. I thought they were fun. Thanks. Yeah, no, so it's a kind of um got a few photos that have helped us who, you know, you, you want to give recognition to, but for whatever reasons they're not, you know, looking to be named. And uh I guess this is is one way we can do it. They know it's them and no one else does. Amazing. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, well, I guess my initial question is kind of what inspired you to want to have, is it, I guess it's probably you already answered that, but say what inspired you to want to do a low and no ABV brewery? Is it just because of the fact that you really like session beers? So you wanted to make session beers? Would you ever see yourself branching out and doing doing higher ABV beers? Or are you pretty much just like, here's this gap in the market that's not being served. So let's kind of go in that. It's kind of twofold. Um, one is I think it is a gap in the market. Um, and so the reason for that is I really want to work to be able to build a company where I can employ folk who are maybe marginalized for getting jobs. So folk on the spectrum, people with physical disabilities, because quite frankly, it's bullshit. Companies waving around their diversity charts and it's like, well done. You know, you employed a woman. Fucking A. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's um, our one woman. We're going to trot out on International, International Women's Day. Day. Let's parade her out. <laughs> well, one month of pride, you know. Right, right yeah. Bullshit, and I'm bored of it. And I've sat in big companies and it rolls out. And it never stops annoying me. Um, so I was like, well, how can I do it? And I, I don't know how to do it without my own company. And then I was doing an MBA in London and realized I'm probably not very clever. I don't have an app idea. I can't code. So the idea of building this amazing company where I could be, you know, the next Facebook, but all my employees are going to be, you know, I'm probably not that person, unfortunately. It'd be nice if I was. But um, <laughs> so that was kind of where the actually doing a company came from um, and trying to leash a mark or find a, a gap in the market. Because, I mean, who the hell am I to try and compete with folk who make these incredible imperial stouts, right? I mean, they've got decades on me. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's sort of one reason for aiming a bit lower. And the other bit is, I think it is genuinely underserved. I think, um, you know, we were at the NBA and it was me. It was actually, oddly enough, the sheepy story that came out today of the football player. It was actually them I was sat with drinking in a pub. Um, and we were sort of saying about how when we, we graduate and go back in the real world and get kind of proper jobs, you know, where he, I mean, he works mega hours per week. He's like, I still love going for beers in the middle of the week, catching up with people, especially in London. If you're ever in London, you find out that you drink in the week, in yeah. the weekend when you kind of stay sober, which is kind of weird <laughs> if you've ever grown up somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were sort of saying, like, you know, we'd love to still go to do it, but we can't. And I guess the way the beer was going, you know, everything was just getting stronger and you know, easy to drink. It's not like a criticism of the, the skill behind it. It was more just it's dangerous <laughs> in, um, well, usually a fun way, but sometimes not so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of the combination of both. Well, there's definitely a gap in this market. And then there's, um, you know, hopefully that can lead us to doing what I'd actually quite like to do. Um, and yeah, no, it's, I still think it's underserved. There's some people out there doing great jobs, um, you know, and I think you know, you've got to recognise that. But I do think there's people out there who 
are selling stuff that is not so great. Um, and I think no one's really laid claim to the market yet, but no one has their stamp of, yeah, we are actually the best at this. Um, there's a few claims around at the moment from folk of the best and alcoholic beers in the world. Um, I don't get me wrong, they've got some bloody good ones, but I still don't think anyone's got the badge across the spectrum, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it, it totally does. Because I think we did um, last year, we did, uh, well, January, we did an episode that we tried all these non-alcoholic beers because for us, we're not really, I feel like I can relate to you a lot more than some of the people that um, put out, you know, non-alcoholic beers. Because I think a lot of the people that sort of do that are like, you know, I don't really drink. So, you know, here, I'm trying to make beer for other people that, you know, want to drink and or don't don't want to be drinking but want to be able to go out and be sociable and all that and and I've never been able I respect that but I've never been able to personally relate to that because for me you know I do drink beer you know I don't really turn to non-alcoholic beer because I don't have that there's no need in my life for that to fill so I find that that's really interesting so I feel like I relate to you in the sense of like yeah you like to go out you like to drink high ABV beers you ABV beers you like to drink all that stuff but sometimes you need something that's sessionable and I feel like that's something that I can connect to and relate with and I think you're right in that there's this gap in the market where there are some amazing breweries that are, you know, no low alcohol. I know like Nirvana Brewery does some really great when they do a really great Heller's Lager, for example. Um, but I find that for me, and I don't, I can't speak for Joe, but I know when I pick out beers, sometimes I'm like that label attracts me or that particular style attracts me or the range that they have attracts me. And I find that a lot of times with the no and low alcohol beer and breweries, they tend to not have a lot of, um not depth that's not what I mean but you know range variety is more what I mean it'll be like there's a lager and there's a pale ale and there's an IPA and and that's kind of what you get and so when I saw you guys had like a black lager I thought that was interesting I saw you've got you know the wheat beer um you're coming out with a hefeweizen and I was like you know I think that that's really interesting because there's just so much that it's not just those three basic things that a lot of the low and no people do they do really well but it's just so different and then a lot of the labels don't necessarily attract my attention so when I see them I I just kind of go all oh, right and I feel like with yours all of them I was like we got the the set of six because I was like I love all the labels they could all go up on my wall and the range of what you had was so good so I, I can totally relate to that I think that's really great I just feel like I had to for that long rant that I just did right there I just felt like I had oh, to get that out <laughs> um, I think it's true though. I think like one thing we've done on purpose is that every single one of our recipes is unique um, whether it's a 2.8 or 0.5, we start with a blank bit of paper every time. Um, and I think that, in a way, has helped us make beers that are different. Like, I don't think you could try two of our beers and be like, oh, they're kind of the same. Um, I mean, at the other end, it means brewing them is a bit of a bloody nightmare, if we're honest. But, uh, you know, that's the payoff, really, is at least they kind of stand by themselves. I think there's definitely folks out there who I think have nailed it on kind of one beer. But then what I think, and I don't know, and I won't use names because they're still doing a great job, but I feel like they're bringing out variations of that beer yeah. um, with a different name. Whereas we, we aren't. Every time we brew a new one, it's brand new blank bit of paper starting point. Um, you know, and we have like a little set of yeasts we're looking to use in the future. Put a lot of effort in researching that. So we pick our yeasts very carefully, depending on what kind of profiles we want on the beers, um, you know, and build them up that way, which I think is helping creates sort of true variety and the way i'm trying to tell people is there's there's obviously the it's like one brewery that can hit everyone's needs you know whether it's like the, the pregnant person or the person who's teaching the next day or the eccentric retiree who just doesn't care you know all three of you can drink our beers and hit your point but 
I think I've managed to make it a bit more concise in terms of if you're having a barbecue, I'd like to think that we're like a one-stop shop. You can buy a massive mix box from us and everyone's happy. You can have people getting absolutely after it and you can still get tipsy on our beer as I've tested accidentally. <laughs> um, but also like one I did when the, I'm a big rugby fan, I was watching the Lions tests and obviously lockdowns on. I actually tested my theory of what if I just drink all my beers, you know, one after the other alternating the ABVs. And it's exactly what the vision was, which is you can enjoy the sort of four beers during the game of the rugby. And at the end of it, you feel great. Like not, Cobra's men is but happy, right? And um, yeah. that's quite nice. Whereas I've also done it with great beers, but stronger beers. And at the end, you're a bit like, well, it's either <laughs> stop now or carry on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm hoping that we can kind of fill that gap of like we're just trying to like not have people have to sacrifice anything it's also why the abv is not front and center in our beers which is a bit of a catch-22 on one hand it's quite good in terms of what i wanted to do but we're always getting told you know but what people won't know and i'm like well i want people to know it's a beer first and foremost that's it um you know and why can't that be the conversation instead of oh i'm alcohol free or whatever you know why can't i'm drinking a pale ale it's great that's I think that's it though, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I think for us, when we were doing that episode for Dry January, I think what we were sort of measuring it by, and Joe, correct me if I've misremembered it, but, you know, we were measuring it by, would this be something that I, that, that scratches the itch really? It's the, mm-hmm. does the scratch the itch for a bit? Because for our intents and purposes, it was something that we could interchange with a beer, but we'd need it to taste like it would, like there were some that were really great, but does it satisfy and scratch that itch for a beer? not so much it, it was it tasted lovely like one of them might taste like a juice but it it was like cool I I might just have a juice instead of that you know what I mean it, it didn't yeah. do that so I think your labels are really great I know Joe will have more to say on this but your labels are great because you give so much information oh my goodness I was <laughs> so excited really... <laughs> when I was looking at this I yeah you know, I love a label with all the information on it and these are great like you've listed the hops and the malts and you've got what is on the SRM scale and the ABV. I love the little, the little um, triangle that's showing your ABV on it, and that's so it goes up the scale from your sheep to your wolf. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. These are really, I just a can with all the info on just makes me really happy. I think uh, one that a few people actually miss is that our um, our hop and malt symbols are actually scales as well, oh, so they're they? fully filled in. Oh yeah, yeah. Fully I just think I noticed that. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit of a subtle one. We're um, we're in the process of rebuilding and migrating a website, and once yeah. we're done, we're going to uh, have kind of more information available for people. But yeah, yeah no, that's it's, uh, we try to build it so you can kind of really just pick it up as someone who just wants a beer, or you yeah. can really dive in if that's you know how you like to be. I, see, I think it's brilliant. We try, I tried to, when, when we had um, Yakima Chief on and we were doing Idaho 7 and I was struggling so hard to find a beer that had Idaho 7 in it because a lot of them would say, oh, it's just a, a mix of American hops. And I was like, it's just in helping me. So I had to then go like on untapped and see if it was on there. And if it wasn't on there, go on the website. And it was just like, I love a label that just tells me what the hops are going to be. I mean, that I would be happy with just that. <laughs> the fact that you've also yeah. included the malts in there and then scales of things like that's brilliant. I think that's really good. It's so informative, and as beer geeks, we absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah, I think the company basically was founded by nerds. Yeah, uh, in one form or another, we're all big <laughs> in our own ways, and like yeah. uh, that, I think, is basically where it got derived from. And um, 
you know, it's big props to sort of Lucas and then a shout out to Ole and John as well, who helped us early on with the design side in terms of really embracing, I think, what I brought to them, which was that I'm, I love beer. I don't think I'm necessarily the best beer nerd in the world, um, but I am an engineer by trade. I have a couple of degrees to my name and I played a lot of rugby. I'm quite geeky on certain things and then other things I just like enjoying, right? But I think what he did very well is take my vision for the inclusive kind of idea for the label. So if you just like looking at it, awesome, great. But if you want to read it and get like really geeky, you're brilliant too, right? And it's, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the movie from honest. <laughs> yeah that's good it's really Definitely very well balanced yeah. for sure how, how many how many people are technically in the company at the moment then how many how many of you are there good question uh <laughs> we have so we'll have um we've got a new head brewer starting uh early october um so we'll do a big release for them coming in we've we've just sort of finalized that um going through the interview process um I can't remember, this comes out, I think, probably around the time they start, actually. Okay. So it'll probably be around then. <laughs> but um, the, uh, we've got sort of an army of volunteers, and then we've got a few kind of third parties we're paying because basically everyone involved has a day job, which is the hard part. Um, you know, hopefully one day we can leap, but, you know, we've got to get to the size first. So just trying to, a bit like you guys, we are uh, nodding along sagely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it, officially, I suppose you could say there's kind of two, well, there will be two of us, I suppose, officially. And then there's very much a couple of people who I would actually include in that to us because of the kind of amount of work they do. Um, but yeah, on a, on a full effort day, it can fluctuate up to like 10, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, we're kind of skeleton crewing it at kind of like three, four. Um, and then, yeah, we have a few folk we work with, um, in the industry. Um, quite proud to say we we managed to get in uh, Daisy Tunnel's book, so she runs our Instagram, which is quite nice because she's brilliant, and we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Like, there's nothing worse than when I'm trying to um, like arrange these uh, interviews and stuff, and I have to say to people that you know they work at a brewery full time, so it's it's kind of like they're they wake up they do what they do you know their, their routine's very different to what my routine and joe's routine is as well so it's like it's so difficult when i'm like are you able to record at like half seven at <laughs> night like uh, you know is that on a week night because like we've got we've got our day job we've got yeah. to do this just i feel so bad because i'm like oh for you it might be late like i don't know <laughs> and yeah to- totally 100 percent relate to that so <laughs> it's it's again i feel like it's very relatable yeah. when you were saying that i was like yes absolutely yeah. quite lucky i've got a couple of people who sort of put up with me being, they've got the two daisies there's daisy <laughs> on the ball and everything she's amazing um she's actually a process engineer by day and like they don't seem to mind me texting them kind of randomly being like so it's 9 30 i just had an idea <laughs> i do like, that with joe all the time do, yeah, like, literally like, i'll be like uh, something, something will come into my head because i'll be in the middle of doing something i'm a project manager in it like daytime and yeah. i'll just be something i'll be doing something for a, a, a customer or something and it will just pop into my head and i'll be like oh, something's just popped into my head and i'll text joe like i've got this really great idea <laughs> like here's the pitch yeah. No, they, uh, they, they, they do very well to put up with my random things. I think I'm worse during the gym because it's the only time I log off from my day job, really. <laughs> but I have my phone with me. So I'm like, yeah. hey, guys, I just had an idea. And they're like, mate, should you be 
it's fine. Probably, but it's fine. No, that's brilliant. And and just to say that obviously we've been drinking the small kingdom IPA. Mm-hmm. It's 05 percent. It's it's got the haze to it. I mean, it says it's going to be hazy, but it's definitely got yeah. the haze to it. And it and it doesn't. It tastes fuller than a 05 percent mm. beer. Like it, uh, I think usually with them. With the 0.5%, I always find they tend to be a bit watery. I don't know, Joe, you can probably elaborate on yeah. this, but for me, it's always like eh, a bit watery and there's not really a lot of flavor. This has this has flavor, there's like fruitiness to it. It's it feels fuller in mouthfeel. It's it's nice. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's got a really good body to it. Um, and I mean often with your low alcohol ones, it's because they're not putting as much malt in because they don't want as much sugar. Um, can we circle back round to your yeast strains because I find that really interesting. Let her do um, that nerd stuff because that yeah, is she yeah, homebrews. I don't do that. that. That's her. Um, so because like we've talked about on previous episodes, we've talked about low and no alcohol and how sometimes they strip out the alcohol, um, mm. but they are they are currently in the process. They are currently in the process of developing different yeast strains to be that are going to produce less or no alcohol. Um, have, what kind of yeast strains are you using? Yeah, um, I won't give too much away, and it's not really because I'm from a cloak and dagger. I yeah, can never it's remember too, their, it's their, too Latin, their Latin names. If I'm proprietary. Honest. We have them just <laughs> in storage, and I'm like, yeah, yeast one and yeast two. The um, <laughs> so yeast one's great. No, um, we we did a lot of work. So we, I think we bought about 50 different yeast strains based on research papers that suggested what they might be good for, and then basically quick tests on them all. Pretty quickly got rid of about 40 from the kind of final 10, which we thought had legs for beer. We kind of pushed on. We have two, which are kind of our primary sources right now. Um, so they've been put in. Um, so Lagaday Saints has one, which is it's actually from a Peruvian jungle. Um, and we think we are the first people in the world to put it in beer. Oh, amazing. Uh, so that's quite an exciting one. It, if or when you get to that beer, I mean, the way to describe it is it's... So one thing I'd say is, which I'm quite honest about, is none of our beers are perfect yet. We're going to keep working on them. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say Small Kingdom, we think, actually got slightly oxidised, um, which are a bit disappointed in. The people we brewed it with are fantastic. This is not on them. We had issues getting it into, or picked up. So it was in an Arlington for about 24, 36 hours more than we'd hoped okay. it would be. Um, I know we've had a couple of canning issues where people picked them up and they've been kind of undrinkable so delighted that yours aren't if anyone hits that problem do reach out we do replace we don't want you having a bad time but again it, i mean it's part of that contract brewing world is you kind of uh you know it, it, you don't have as much control as perhaps you'd like um and getting things lined up especially with the current shipping issues can sometimes be more of a problem than we'd realized um so small kingdom got pasteurized um to make sure it's kind of fully good to go oddly enough I don't know if we actually need to do that with all our beers um, because the yeast strains we have, I think we're actually safe with sterile filtration. So we're kind of in discussion now about whether we do pasteurize or not. So Lagaday Saints is sterile filtration only um, and obviously nice and stable. We lived and learned pretty rough ride on Easy Rinder, uh, the second version of that will be coming out. Um, and we've just uh, basically just swapped the yeast is how we've done that one. <laughs> and we went for traditional yeast and kind of, went that way and it failed miserably to the point of re-fermenting and blowing up which was oh, no. not as much fun as it it sounds no it's not <laughs> um, can't even imagine <laughs> yeah, it's an extensive mistake um but we we've learned from it so you know we've got a new yeast coming in that one now um but yeah basically we've just done a lot of study on them and we still have kind of our final 
selections of yeasts. We've got a new one, um, which we're going into our 0.5 uh, Bonoffi stout that's in production. Um, so trying to use kind of rum barreled wood in that um, to try and bring out as much sort of natural flavoring as we can. So we do use adjuncts. I think anyone who says they don't at 0.5 or arguably 2.8 is either telling a porky or has some kind of witchcraft that I've yet to learn about. Um, you know, <laughs> fair crack to them if they can. Um, we don't know all of them. Um, you know, ponies, no, no adjuncts in that. There's adjuncts in short stack. Black lager obviously isn't. Um, there's no adjuncts actually in Lager Day Saints. That, um, that's just pure kind of lager. And then the, it has a bit of a pear aftertaste and that's all from the yeast. Um, I think what we discovered more than anything is when you go into the kind of yeast strains which we've got going in on 0.5s, they have a much more significant impact on the flavor than when you're at higher ABV beers. Um, yeast is obviously super important, but I think you can almost cover up what yeast can taste like because of all the malts in there or you know, the, the alcoholic level. Yeah. When you go way lower, it has a vastly different um, sort of profile. Um, and you really get the profile out from the yeast. Um, so that's kind of being a bit of a mixed blessing. When you hit it right, it's great. When you hit it wrong, it's not. I mean, there's a reason they don't sell yeast as a snack. In the, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been an interesting one. So yeah, as I said, we've got, I think, sort of 10, which we've got kind of ring-fenced for future projects. One's in R&D at the moment. Um, another one's actually in R&D. We've got our sour going into the final stages as well. Um, our 2.8 sour and 2.8 stout are actually ready to go but we're going to try and bring them out kind of at the same time as the 0.5. Um, yeah, quite excited to kind of get those moving. Um, the chocolate cherry scalp's quite good. Quite pleased with that one. Um, and then our, uh, yeah, our 2.8 sour, actually. It's um, it's actually adjunct-free. Oh. oh. Straight sour beer. Um, quite stone-free and very refreshing. So nice. we kind of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> These all sound um, absolutely delicious. Genuinely, really it's, back to that, it's back to that whole what I've said about like a lot of places go like, we well, do like f- four or five different beers. You've got like six at the moment <laughs> with so many more, which I, we will get to because I want to I want to hear you can at the end, you can go, here's what's coming out. Here's what's going on. But honestly, that is it's it's quite nice, actually, because it goes back to what you said before about if you're getting beers for a barbecue, um, especially if you're the one that's driving to the barbecue uh, you can easily have beers for you know the people that aren't driving because I think one of them this one the Lumberjill IPA that's that's a 5.1 percent so that's still like you know that's on the end of the spectrum for people that want something sessionable but a bit higher ABV and then you know you've got the two the two percent around that point and then the 0.5s I think it's just such a range not only of percentages but of flavors and it's I'm interested to see how your stout is because I always find, and I think Joe, you you might agree, stouts, low ABV stouts don't always nail what you want them to. <laughs> They're always like on the thinner side, and you're like, if you know, it's just not what I envision as a stout. So I just I always like trying them because you never know. Like you said, it's a process. People try and try again. So I just think maybe I'll find one that's really good or maybe somebody will crack how to do it really good. So it'll be really interesting to see how yours, how yours is when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I think super we've done, it, we had it tested um, with a few folks and I would say it's definitely less body than kind of some of the heavy stouts, but at the same time, it's also 
um, immeasurably kind of more sessionable. So it's the kind of thing people drank a bit slower than other beers, but also went back for more, which is quite nice, I think, um, especially on kind of, you know, autumn and winter when you, you maybe still want to do a pub session, but sipping a heavy, heavy stout for a while isn't really <laughs> what you've got in mind. It's that kind of happy medium. Um, but yeah, it is hard. And I think the 0.5 is where that will get really critical. I think at 2.8, you can kind of get away with it being a little bit more sessionable because, you know, that's kind of what people are looking for at that level, I think, really. Yeah. But when you get to the 0.5, like it's a very different game because actually, if anything, I'd like our 0.5 stout to have more body than the 2.8 because I think, you know, that's that's someone making a choice to say, no, I actually, I don't want or can't have the alcohol, but I want everything else I expect from a big stout. Whereas at 2.8, people are actually saying, I want a session with this. Yeah. And it's a very different kind of choice, I think. So, yeah, I'm um, that one's in R&D at the moment. Um, I'm getting quite excited to get the kind of the first samples through. But, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how that one goes. And then the sours we've got coming are just kind of, yeah, super sessionable, really, is where I put those. Nice. Extra excited about that one. Yeah. <laughs> how, how long did it take for you to sort of play around with these recipes? Just take, you know, the first one you've made. How long did it take for you to play around with that before you kind of went, oh, we have a recipe here, like the first one that you, you came up with? Um, I think we nailed our first contrabrew recipe seven months after starting. Um, I learned to brew beer last September, so a year ago now. Oh, wow. Um, nice. <laughs> Before that, it was, um, I just had kind of the brand and the business plan. I had some original founders I've worked with who unfortunately pulled out to the COVID. Um, and so, you know, the, the, there were certain bits of the company that needed to be caught up quickly. So, yeah, that was where that was. So teamed up with someone else and together kind of went down the route of just iteration after iteration. So kind of brewing two, three times a week um, just to try and get as many versions of things out as we could um, and try and refine them in. Um, you know, had some success with that. Uh, like Lumberjill is actually my recipe, um, uh, which I'm, I guess, quite pleased with just because I am very inexperienced in the world of brewing. So to have it in your hands quite cool. Um, but that was probably one we got quite lucky on. Whereas um, Shetland Pony was actually going to be a different beer. And we went through about four iterations of this recipe and it kept getting worse, if anything. Uh, so it got turfed. I think one day I just poured 20 litres down a drain. Oh, I was like, I'm done with you. Yeah. Um, so we quickly pivoted to another recipe uh, which we had and kind of tweaked it to get it down to 2.8 and that's what that's what's there today um, so yeah it was it's been an interesting kind of ride so you know Pony's quite juicy the original intention actually was just to have a 2.8 kind of old school pail and instead okay. went extremely new school with it because we failed miserably <laughs> um, but you've got to kind of ride those waves of kind of peaks and troughs but yeah, I mean, the first ones we put in for our first contract brews, they were getting brewed in, you know, very late, well, June, basically, for round, for round dates. We brewed them in June. Um, and, you know, we first got brewing in September the year before. Wow. And that is, uh, I, and I think it's really, just my opinion, it's, it's really refreshing that you're like, you know, we've made mistakes, you know, things haven't always gone to plan, like, it, it's really nice hearing that because I think a lot of the times people want to, as you would, as it's understandable, people would want to kind of minimise how they've made mistakes along the way. And But I think it's actually quite nice and to show people the other side of things. That it's like, yeah, you can make mistakes, but you learn from mistakes. I think that's that's quite key. Um, so that's just really refreshing to hear, really. Um, Joe, I think obviously you're the 
you are the brewing expert so are there any other questions about the brewing process or anything else like that that you that you wanted to know about really do you find that you're using less malt in it to reduce the sugars is yeah, that yeah, the so recipe I'm plan you're going along quite happy to share that our malt bills are a lot lower uh, yeah. in the 0.5s 2.8 actually you can put in more than well more than i thought it's still low compared to yeah. fives um the 0.5 is an interesting one. That's a bit more trial and error based just because we have the kind of fancy yeasts. But yeah. the hard part is trying to get something out the other end that isn't super warty. Um, you know, I think think we've done that with all the beers we've produced so far. Um, you know, I think Lager SH is probably our triumph one. I mean, we've got stuff we want to do with it, but what we want to do with it now is tweak it. Um, I think it could have a little bit more body. I think it could have a little bit more bitterness on the end and a little bit more aroma. But that's kind of that if they're at a six out of 10, we're going to turn them up to six and a half. It's not, you know, we wouldn't, I wouldn't sell it if I thought it was terrible. Um, But I do think it's got room to be perfected. Um, But that one's probably the one which I'm most proud of as a non-alcoholic. Small Kingdom, we're at the Quartz Brewing. They are brilliant, lovely people, fantastic to work with. And I think it's just one of those process things. And thankfully what came out, um, I think is good enough to sell, but we've got, I think we've got a bit of work we want to do on that one to really bring it through. Um, you know, learning curves, you know, leaving things in Arlington for extra time isn't great. So make sure your logistics are nice and ironed out and they actually are going to turn up. Um, unfortunately, our, our pickup didn't arrive. Oh, no. um, so that all ended up being a bit of a, a shambles. Um, you know, and then even things like QA on, on can collection, you know, now we're learning that, you know, we really just start doing um, big squeeze tests just to make sure there's no like underfilled cans sneaking mm-hmm. out because I think we've had two that I know of, but it's still two that you really don't want going out to people um, yeah. because it's, they get a rubbish experience and you're like, no, no, like I promise you. I mean, my partners, I had, I think, 48 odd samples in my fridge. I checked that there's four and I was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> these women to be coming out to shops to say hey we're a new brewery and then <laughs> you know it's um it's her favorite beer now um you know she's like whoops yeah literally <laughs> keep walking through and she's got one around and i'm like just eat alcohol free you know uh, no the um so yeah no it is a good beer it's just one of those ones that we found where we've got a little bit of room to do it but i mean if you like kind of the new age fruity ipas I think it's right up there with them, really. And the body on it's massive. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think it's listed on the can. We've got malt dextrin in there. That's not a secret. We don't, like, hide that. But the taste isn't there, though. You know, you're not going to pick that up in that flavor profile. Um, and then, yeah. So the malt bill, the short answer is yes, the malt bill's small. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Um, and it's kind of a balancing thing. One thing I've sort of been telling folks, which we, again, don't mind sharing, is, like, when you remove the malt bill, you, you kind of do it by ratio from like, if you want to go from six to 3%, you can kind of just half it. Yeah. Um, you know, give or take a little bit of the tweaking. It's not hops though. Do not do the same thing. Um, so that's actually what we find is we end up doing like a pretty good job when we half it of getting, now we've played around with things a lot like maltodextrin and in our stouts, unfortunately for, for vegan folks, we, we are using lactose um just because we feel on the stouts it gives a better output for what we're looking for um but uh yeah you know those things we've got kind of ironed in now we kind of get that right or pretty right first time hops though nah no idea like you half them (laughs) it's still way too much or you half them and you're like 
I swear I put hops in here. You know, it's, it's the most bizarre thing in the world that the hops, um, the hop ratios do not, do not hold true um, like the malt ones do, which is uh, quite an interesting thing to play with. And it's even more interesting when you get really low down. So uh, from my experience, if anyone wants to try it at home, you can definitely brew a 1% beer like pretty easily at home, to be honest, like on any of your standard kind of kit. Um, full disclaimer, I skipped the whole buckets on the stove. I went straight <laughs> to the um, So I am probably a bit of a, sh- a, bit of a, uh, a fake brewer, for entirely honest, having never been That's to That's what that. I still brew on. I mean, some of the best brewers I think I know from home do that. And they just, they just <laughs> a dodgy face every time I tell them. And I'm like, <laughs> Um, but um, yeah honestly like I recommend anyone find the 1% and what I'd say is pick a beer you're comfortable brewing at home and try rewriting it for 1% it's actually just quite good fun um, and see how close you can get um, because it's uh, it's quite an interesting ride and it really I think changes the technical um, sort of difficulties I think from my kind of very very limited experience, we found that you know we never doing too strong, and that's obviously colossally difficult to make drinkable because um, you don't want that alcohol flavor sitting there yeah. in the face. But brewing a 0.5 or a 2.8 versus brewing like a six and a half, six and a half is easy. <laughs> you throw your molds in, throw your yeast in, and you got out a decent beer at that end. I mean, I have royally cocked up some beer recipes when I was learning. I mean, all wrong, <laughs> and still got drinkable beer at the back end. And you're like. And there's 2.8s I've brewed, and I swear I've done it perfectly, and I've poured another drain. Yeah. And it's infuriating <laughs> because at the lower end, you might not even know what your mistake is, but it, it, will, it will come back to haunt you, even though you don't know what it yeah. is. Whereas in the higher ones, you can just be like, that's fine. That's <laughs> drinkable. It's all right. Yeah. That's, that's genuinely a perfect segue into another question that I had, which was sort of like, what is the biggest challenge or some of the biggest challenges that you've had when it comes to low and no alcohol? brewing and you know are there any things in particular that you did to overcome them yeah i think there's a few i mean there's a, there's the fun ones like the hot stuff and all that that's just it, the patience bit hurts because we feel we'll wait four weeks to find out what you've done but... oh yeah i didn't think about that that's gonna be awful you're like this i've done everything perfectly i've followed the rules yes so then you get it in four weeks so i'm like nah <laughs> yeah shetland pony was the epitome of that oh, i no. um, I had the beer for that, and I think I brewed it four times. And the first one, we're like, okay, we've got some in here. We've got legs. Good first version. By the fourth version, I think I had half a cup, and I was like, I'm not going to send samples. We went straight down the drain, and we trapped it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's riding those waves, and I think it's, it's sometimes about learning when to give up or not. But honestly, the hardest and scariest part is scaling. Um, you know, like, we're going from sort of – well, some of them went from – I've got a 55 liter system. Um, that's the biggest we have in the company. Um, most of us are running on the standard, you know, 23 liter systems. Um, so, you know, Lager Day Saints was scaled from 23 liters up to 20 hex. Um, you've no idea what's going to happen. So that's the scariest part. And it's one of those weird ones where, you know, it's bootstrapped and it's debt. I'd love to be a millionaire because this would be a lot easier, but I'm not. So that's rich. scary. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be rich, so I could do this a lot. It'd be a lot easier to be honest with you. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, that's the scariest part. And like you know, the easy ride of recall really hurt. You know, you you end up ignoring even the uh, reputation sort of issues and people then not trusting you. Um, especially as it happened to us at kind of the the key time. It happened a year ago, would be fine because everyone was in that kind of unknown. But now everyone's yeah. like. 
we won't take it if it's not pasteurized. I was like, well, it actually depends on what yeast they put it, you know, but it's it's hard because like most people don't care. They just want to make sure product's safe. And um, that was a total nightmare. But I mean, ignoring reputation damage and reputation costs and arguably lost sales and people never wanting to come near you again, you're already like six and a half in the hole. And it's like, what? Well, well, you know, um, how do you come? It, it probably yeah. feels like how do you come back from that? Yeah, it does a lot like that. To be honest with you, um, you know, life, life's been put on hold. The uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm 35 and I very much live in rented accommodation with a very patient partner and a slightly less patient dog. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's those rides. I think you, you've got to sort of pick them up. But honestly, like the the brewing side is, I mean, it's nothing about the mistakes you're making in the real world, right? Um, and the hardest bit for us is lockdown's tough. You know, the team met in person for the first time at Brew London. Uh, oh, wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. The fact that you just never, because I know, so I think Joe and I can relate in the sense that like we had, we started doing this podcast September last year or just sort of just before we released the first episode September last year. We didn't meet each other for the first time in person until, what was it April or like May? April and May, May like yeah. there and everybody was like we like we we posted we, we did a live we're like oh it's the first time we've met each other and then everyone was like you didn't know each other already and we're like no, no. and that that's COVID times isn't it it's yeah. like yeah. it's it's gotta be so yeah. weird to see people that you're working with all the time that are working alongside you with this business that you've started and now you're meeting them for the first time and at Brew London <laughs> where yeah. you're meeting like lots of other people as well it must have been like just an overwhelming moment yeah it's definitely a ride um you know I mean thankfully you're quite lucky everyone that's kind of been involved been a pretty good person so there's no real issues there but I mean we had one person leave after Brew London. I think they they were like, the startup life's not for me. And then, mm. you know, that's another thing, like, what are you learning? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to leadership. Like, I am the founder, and it all comes down to me. And, you know, they assure me that there was no issues, but you're always like, shit else. What did I do wrong? And it's hard, you know, that, yeah. that's, that's the hardest bit. Be recipes come right, come wrong. But as much as, like, the easy rider thing hurts financially, it's the reputation bit. That's the bit you can't fix, right? Or you can, but my God, it's not easy. Um, so, you know, those are the bits that you sort of continue learning and those are the hardest parts because they're the, the baggage you take with you. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if I get, I, uh, at my day job, I like to bore people with big red bus theory about what happens if someone gets run over, you know, the world carries on. And I'm just sort of, if I get run over tomorrow, I won't be giving a crap about the money that was lost you know, I care about today because I'm still alive and in business, but I will care about the reputation, what you leave behind. You know, are people set up for success? And that's that's really hard. And I think COVID makes it harder because people are stressed and it's tough. And it's like, how do you build a environment folks want to be a part of and stay a part of? Um, so yeah, losing them is tough. Um, that's probably the biggest one. And then we've had other people sort of leave on other things. And honestly, I think it ain't really been easy. Um, understandable, but you know, and something very amicable. Like I've got, like I had um, some mates help me out, and you know, they're like, I've got too busy, can't help out. And of course, mm. mate, I still see them. You know, it's still good for beer, yeah. it's still mates, but like it's still weird. And you're like, oh, you know, could I have done something different just to help them stay in? And yeah. then the bigger ones from people really leaving the company, you're like, shit, ass, this is uh, is a bit shit. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's an interesting one. And on the beer side, I don't know, it's um. You just got to be willing to accept that more recipes will probably go wrong than right. 
<laughs> it's trial and error though isn't it you can't really yeah. when when you got Shetland Pony right you must have been like that so you probably had all these lows where you're like yeah it's not how I want it it's not how I want it but when you got it right that must have been just like a really good feeling of like that's it that's the one we got it right yeah no it is it's nice I think it's when you get a sample sent off like it's really hard I mean we final samples tend to be brewed by me um in in the group and so I'll, I'll get it brewed get it up I'll get it on to, I built a keyser in the house. Um, as I say, I was an engineering nerd, not a brewing nerd. So building that was quite good fun. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, and then we, I've got a canning machine, so I'll can it, get it sort of hand labeled and send it off. And, you know, it's that one where one person gets a sample and like, this is amazing. And then you realize you accidentally oxidize the next one. Uh, so it's one of the ones where you're, like, you're trying it on tap and you're like, I swear it's good. I have people yeah. to my house. I swear to you, this recipe is good to go. It's fine. <laughs> and yeah, people at their end are like, well, I tried it and I'm not sure. And you're like, no, 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 the recipe's good. That ignore good. that one, ignore that one. <laughs> we literally <laughs> had this happen in my home brewing group the other week. I went, we went along, we had our, our beers and um, one of the guys had brought a table beer and we passed it around. And everyone was like, did you say this was Belgian? And he was like, no, it's brewed with English ale yeast. And everyone's like, getting real, like, Belgian yeast. But it's the taste of it. And we all tasted it. And we're like, getting apples, mate. Like, what? What?" And he was like, that's not what it tasted like at home. And so I went, did you pull this off a keg into the bottle? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, you didn't purge the bottle enough. And, and so they were like, you came on the bus. He was like, yeah, yeah. They were like, what? where it's bounced up and down where you were driving getting here on the bus it's oxidized and that's what that what the apples are and he was like oh we were like oh what not to do when you're bringing that's it that's, to homebrew, but that, that's it there's a learning that's, point isn't yeah. it though it's yeah. like a that's something that somebody's not thinking of because they're like oh i can get from a to b really yeah. quickly doing this and i think a lot of that stuff like you said even squeezing cans like if you've never if you've never really been doing, if you've not been a business for a massive amount of time, that like you probably don't think like, oh, I need to squeeze a can. It's just something that once you know it's gone wrong, you're like, ah, yeah, I, I should have known that sort of thing. But at the time, it's not something that's in the forefront of your mind. Just like that guy yeah. probably has managed to fill it up like that before and it's yeah. gone fine. He's Absolutely not thought fun. about it. I like yeah. to think that the brewing community are quite good about that sort of thing. Like we impart our knowledge to each other and help each other out more than tear each other down no definitely i think i found it quite interesting coming into it in terms of like folk are always willing to kind of help um you know i think we've worked with some great and met some great people it's been awesome um it's uh it's a funny one though so the person actually who who we've chosen to be the head brewer i think pretty much hated most of our beers which i <laughs> in, in a weird way it was one of my things i quite liked about them i was like oh good you're not you're not gonna bullshit me you're gonna be like that this is terrible and i'm like all right <laughs> you want someone that's gonna be just brutal yeah. to be honest with you yeah. especially if they're gonna be responsible for for doing the making of it you know they have to be happy with it but also you want a partner not a, you know you want someone yeah. that's going to be a partner to you and is gonna say to you oh i'm not actually loving this and here's how we can make it better and the same way that they'd expect you to do that for theirs as well no no definitely like i think it ain't be a good fit it's just really funny because like we had <laughs> a few met some wonderful people we've had a few very late applications unfortunately but they all seem brilliant which is really exciting but um quite funny because i think his was definitely the most uh, brutal feedback and i think i quite liked it because i was like oh you're about as direct as i am this is great <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, it's, it could go one of two ways when someone's that bold it can either yeah. really pay off or you're like that's it blacklist 
he's never coming here again. I think it was uh, it was good for us. I think it's nice to have someone else who's probably let more severe than I am in the beer tasting because I'm 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 probably the least qualified, but I'm also the meanest. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this has to be the best in the world first time out, and it's never going to be. Like, there's no point pretending that, but that's still where I'm setting the bar. It's striving <laughs> for perfection, yeah. even if you don't hit it. It's you yeah. know, how do you recover when you don't hit it? But also, there's nothing wrong with wanting to hit that. That's, there's nothing. Yeah, no problem. No, with that. It's interesting, and like um, we've actually entered the competition. I think should be going on at the moment, um, and I'm really curious to see if any of our stuff actually holds up because. We're quite pleased with a few of them. Um, you know, we still want to make them better, but I think Lager Day Saints is pretty good. Um, I think as far as I've all it, free lagers go. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. If you ask me when it comes out, they'll be like, how'd it go? I'm like, no comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be interesting. So it's going to be, I don't know, it's one of those things, though. But I think something I find really interesting about the beer world is that in twofold, one is on kind of the competition side, is that it's very to a fixed set of criteria which makes trying to do good this sounds wrong to anyone else in the market but good kind of non-alcoholic beers or 2.8 it's quite hard because you kind of if this is what it's meant to be well i'm not going to brew that what i'm going to do is brew something based on that that's going to be over here and i'm really interested to find out if we get like goes one of two ways in my head one is you get commended they're like oh, this is awesome or they're going to be like no it's not it's not, it's not as good just, and i'm going to style after. Yeah, I'm going to end up like yeah. losing points. So that's interesting. And then one is just people tasting them. Like, I think, you know, I'm very adamant in the fact that I hope people like all our beers. That'd be great. But I don't want people to love all our beers. Because if I've done that, I've built one beer. I want you to kind of be like, these two I love. These two are okay. These two, eh, probably wouldn't want them again. Cool. That's cool. Like, you know, that's the point. That's kind of why we have the range. Um, yeah. You know, it's why we work with kind of the, the Hackney Women's Rugby Club and the wider Hackney Rugby Club, you know, is we help them have a tournament and a charity tournament and we got a lot of beers there and they said the Lager Day Saints vanished first, <laughs> shortly followed by the uh, the pony and the short staff and they're all left kind of with the lumberjills at the end. So I was like, it's all right. <laughs> um, well, it's just interesting because it's that, you know, that group of people wanted those beers. It's, yeah. I was going to say in that setting, it probably goes, it doesn't matter if you're craft or any, like, you know, anything, they probably see lager and that crowd of people probably, maybe I'm generalizing, but I feel like when you go to sporting events, a lot of people are like lager. So that's probably like the first thing they go for. And if there's no lager left, the natural next step for people, from my experience of when I've helped out at beer festivals, the next step, there's no lager. Okay. What about a pale? Yeah. So there's, there's all, yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> I was going to try and spin that to obviously it's because alcohol free is just brilliant, but I think you're probably right. <laughs> well, these yours are amazing. That's yeah, that's, and that's all everyone needs to know. Ours are brilliant. That's why it happened. <laughs> but I'm I'm very acutely aware that we are. We told you we weren't going to overrun, and now we're overrunning. So I'm going to crack this next one oh, so we yeah, can get through really because we we really we don't. I'm really excited about this as well because I love black lagers like in general. Um, but also I really want to talk to you. I know Joe really wants to talk about um what your vision about inclusivity, accessibility, all that. I know you kind of touched on it at the beginning and um, we first started recording, but I think we want to talk to you more about that. So gonna crack this open, talk to you about that. But first, the Lager Day Saints. So I realized today what this can was <laughs> and the name of it, and I started 
I, I literally started laughing and I went into the other room and I showed my husband and I messaged Joe going, did you realise it's like a Mormon shirt and it's a Clark and Dave Saints? What actually inspired you <laughs> to make um, this? This one's quite funny in terms of this was the first name we had. It was actually, um, it was actually the company it was originally called uh, Lager Day Saints, um, a sheep and wolf's clothing brewery was the way we had it set up. And with my original co-founders, um, they were worried that in certain regions or geographies, calling a brewery Lager Day Saints might upset people more than make them smile. Yes. Um, so we pivoted and it became a, uh, a beer name instead. And the tagline became the brewery name instead. Um, but this was made, uh, my mate Mark's still helping out. He's kind of in charge of our growth um, uh, when he can help. He, um, he and I were sitting around in our flat, smashing far too much alcohol. Um, sorry, mum. And um, yeah, this became the name we came up with. Um, and yeah, and then we pivoted to make it into the beer. And obviously, you know, it had to be the lager. So alcohol-free lager went very high up on our list, which, you know, I think might maybe show my ignorance for brewing beer because obviously anyone who says they're going to start a company with an alcohol-free lager and speaks to an experienced brewer, the experienced brewer will tell them to go away because... That's a really you are a mad idea. person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, it kind of spiraled from there. And then we were doing the cans and we uh, obviously the cans kind of have a, a, a labels have kind of a little bit of a format for them. But with Lager Day Saints, we're like, well, I mean, we can't not. Um, I'm slightly in love with South Park and yes. Mormon. So <laughs> I was hoping I was I was like really hoping that's that that's what it was. It really um, is. Um, so this is our homage to the Book of Mormon on Broadway, which if you haven't seen it, is glorious. I saw it in London on the West End. My friend. So I'm from the US. My friend came. I feel like now it's a thing where I feel like every time I say I'm from the US, I've got to take a drink on that one. But um, so my friend <laughs> came to visit me and she loves musicals. And this was like a good few years back. And I was like, well, let's let's go west end we'll go see something what do you want to see and she's like i don't know what can we get tickets to that's like you know that i I don't have a lot of money to go and buy like a big ticket to something or whatever and it happened to be book of mormon was on and we could get a really good discount on the tickets because it was only a few days before we waited till she was here and we picked it out when she was here and we picked it out like two days before and there happened to be tickets available so we got them for really cheap hands down one of the best probably one of the best music and i i i wouldn't say I'm the biggest musical nerd, but I quite like going to see the right musical. And this one was so good. So when I saw this can, it just made me smile. And I went to my husband. I was like, look it, it's a little Mormon shirt. <laughs> I was yeah, hoping no, that was why. No, it, it is, it's absolutely based on um, on uh, Book of Mormon. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not a musical fan, actually, by default. But I've seen Book of Mormon five times, I think. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is genuinely such a good musical. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I didn't I'm take my mum, but... <laughs> yeah, but we've got another one, actually, we've got one called uh, Teutonic Nights, which is a super-duper traditional Munich Hells um, at 5.1%. And so the Teutonic Nights were the, uh, the, the Knights Templar version in Germany, that generally ran hospitals. Um, oh, that's cool. Well, you know, raging war. But the can is um, like the same format. Oh. So basically, with all our lager cans. Well, your lagers have got to be like that now. Style now. Um, that's a, a cool thing. idea, though. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah, obviously, you've, you've sort of I've seen your website, Joe's seen your website. We've, we've looked at 
sort of your your press kits and all that and I know obviously you've mentioned I mean on the can as as well it says inclusivity community sustainability do you want to talk more sort of about those three pillars and and why they're so important to you and and how you've sort of built your mission around it because I've I've seen your plans your future plans of what you want this business to be and I find it really really interesting so do you want to tell us a bit about that yeah definitely I mean um so I I went for the three values as kind of the original pillars um, and they kind of fit in quite nicely in terms of a short, a middle and long-term goal. Um, so kind of working backwards, long-term is sustainability. We're a start, we aren't sustainable. There's no point lying about it, but uh, I was working on gas. My partner works in renewables, in wind farms. Um, and uh, one thing I'm not going to do is lie about it. I will never do buyback because it's bullshit. I won't tell you that we're zero for life because that's not possible. Um, but I will be honest about it and open about it. And basically at every step we take, we'll try and make the most sustainable option we can afford at that time. Um, which means that I am now the proud owner of the world's most expensive tote bags. Um, they're quite nice, but wow, uh, that was a difficult chew. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of the long-term one. Um, in the midterm, we've got the community idea. And this is basically around, we, we'd like to open up um, spaces um, and what I mean by that is obviously one of you like to have a proper brewery, that'd be great. But the first thing we're going to try and do is open up a brew pub. Um, and then from there, maybe trying to open up a few more kind of, I'd say that brew pubs as in we want all our spaces to have brewing kit in them, but it could be that you're talking literally like a grandfather and whatever's brewed there just gets put on tap for the lucky five that are <laughs> able to try it. Um, but um, we want to try and build community. And what I mean by that is I think, I think a lot of people was twofold one is i think covid and the lockdowns have kind of extrapolated how much loneliness is awful and how much you want to be a part of something and i think another thing is a lot of companies or brands are out there saying hey come join our community this is what our community is you can be a part of our community and i don't want to do that i want to go in and amplify the communities that are there so if i can build a space um well well they Example I use, which might be terrible, I don't know, but, um, you know, if we had a space maybe in Soho, London and a space in the Yorkshire Dales, I'm not going to put a graffiti pub in the middle of the Yorkshire Dales, you know, with banging music that does pop-up dance classes for adults, you know. Transversely, I'm not going to put a quiet roast place in the middle of Soho um, where I serve, you know, cask beer and don't have music on. You know, it's how can you embody what is there already, but amplify it? So I'd like to do things where we put on adult tutoring sessions. And if you come along and tutor, you can do it for free. Um, you know, try and embrace what's there already and amplify it. So if we're near an old folks home, we'll do like old folks Tuesdays. You know, we open up and you can come and drink at cost or whatever. It's how can we make that establishment embrace what's around it and better what's about it, um, around it, sorry. Um, so that's kind of like the midterm. And then the short term is the inclusivity. So, I mean, it starts with the beers. We didn't want to be purely alcohol free um, because that's actually not inclusive. It's not, right? Because there are people, I've got a mate who doesn't mind drinking alcohol beer. He's like, no, I'm having a beer. I want a bit. Fine, have a beer. Um, you know, and that's absolutely awesome. But there's other people who want to be completely total or whatever reason, right? So that was kind of part of it was the ABV ranges we're at are very intentional because it's beers for anybody um anytime anywhere um see anyone anytime anywhere is a catchphrase um but it's true though and that is the essence of immediate inclusivity and then that kind of extrapolates into the kind of um when we first have our first home 
Um, and I, I mean this in quite practical terms, in terms of, um, you know, I think last time I checked, folk on the spectrum, um, I think are like 16% employed, but they think like 70% are employable, right? And it's because people are scared to employ folk who aren't like them or who think differently or have unique challenges, whether that be a wheelchair or you're super duper tall or super duper short. Um, you know, all these things come into play. And I'm just bored of hearing talk. There's so much talk nowadays. I mean, fuck me, we have marches that shut down London, but it's all talk. They then go home and drive their fucking diesel cars, but they'll preach to you all high bloody day and night about how I'm killing the world. And I'm like, well, actually, my car's cleaner than yours. But, you know, no one needs to know that. Why let a good fact get in the way of a good ramble, right? And um, I think I just kind of want to displace myself because it's the only world I can be a part of. I'm a fucking straight white guy. The shit do I know? I'm also not that little. I'm really not one of those people that's ever really in that much danger. Um, I've been in some ropey positions wrong, but at six odd one and a bit too fat, but ex rugby, I'm not, not we, um, you know, I can't speak to those, but what I can try and do is build a place that allows everyone to be safe and be themselves. I think, I know my dad was paralyzed when I was 10 in a car crash. Um, that wasn't his fault. And like, it's pretty bad paralysis. Um, he's quadriplegic and it, it just awoke me, I think, to a world I didn't know about in terms of, um, people's dignity being taken away from them. So we've got these places that are like, oh, we've got disabled access, you know, quite nice places. And then, oh, oh, but sir, you have to come down the alley, by the bins, through the kitchen, out the back, and this is the only table you can have. You're like, right, so you haven't got disabled access. No. Um, it's horseshit. Um, you know, and then it's like companies nowadays, that you know, pride campaigns last four weeks and they literally remove the stuff. You're like, why are you removing it? Surely this should be a year-long thing, no? Like, why is this not permanently adorning your whatever um and so yeah i'm just kind of i guess this is kind of a rambling way of saying that i want to try and build a very practically inclusive space um how i get the hiring right is going to be an ongoing problem because you know everyone's got biases and there's not much you can do about that um and like at the moment i uh well it's quite funny the the brewer that's coming in has the same name as me uh and you're really like, diverse there then <laughs> so, um you know, it's one of those awkward ones, but I think it's what you can do when you've got the space, though. And um, we're talking about, though, like, I was complaining to Daisy T. I was like, you know, you posted this up in some of her, um, you know, women in beer groups she's part of. And I was like, no one's applied. <laughs> and like, I can't do anything about that, right? Um, yeah. But what we can try and do is try and use what we have to set up apprenticeships or reach out to people who might not know it's an option for them. Um, and support them that way and I think those are things we'd like to do and again it's about engaging the community that's around you um, and trying to make that place into an actual local um, and really support the folk that are there Um, that's kind of what I want to do in a very long-winded way I think I kind of got to the answer no I think that's I think that's brilliant I think like seeing about that long that that plan that you have that you want to do of opening these locations I think that's really brilliant and I think the fact you mentioned like yeah the Yorkshire does maybe you'll have like an old folks Wednesday or whatever it is I I think like nobody thinks about all ends of the spectrum like that of like you know age and location and all that and I think that's that that is really brilliant and I mean I'm for me I'm 100% events person like it my ideal world so I'm I'm a project manager in IT which I love my company we do a lot of like there's a lot of um, inclusivity like 
if you're planning your work for that week and you maybe think about things slightly different to somebody else, you can plan things and plan your workload like the adult that you are in the way that works for you. And I think that's really great. But in an ideal world, again, if, if I was a millionaire, um, I would love to do like event planning and stuff like that. What kind of events like out of this is the question I have to ask now for my own curiosity. If you could plan like any events in the world, like what would be your favorite ones that you'd want to plan in these in this future chain that you um, we're not going to say if you open up when you open them up. Right. <laughs> we'll the next six months will be fine. No, the um, <laughs> I think um I think for me, I think the, the first brew pub, we've got quite big plans for it in terms of I don't want to say too much. Um but in terms of what it will be in Britain and in terms of kind of like how we'll create that space. But I think it depends where we find the plot, to be entirely honest with you. Um, but I would love to be able to engage folks that are leaving school. Like, I mean, I've done uni. I actually did twice. And I still don't necessarily think it's the best route for the number of people to go through it, to be honest with you. Um, it's served the purpose for me, don't get me wrong. But I, I sometimes wonder if I'd have been better doing something different with my time. Um, and I think it's providing viable routes for people to experience things before they make those decisions. Um, I think around that, in terms of the events, you know, it's, it's whatever's there because I think, um, you know, I'd love to be more involved with things like wheelchair rugby, which is fantastic sport, terrifying, but fantastic. Um, you know, and so you can do like the sponsorship route with teams making it into like teams locals, but that is also dependent on the team being local to where you are. Um, I think it's a hard one to say, especially one thing I do want to do is whenever we get someone to run the location, I want part of the interview will be is how are you going to make this location into the community that's here? Um, You know, that's part of it is I don't want to give people, here's the 10 things we do in our places. Here you go. Here's the flat pack design of what I want this place to be. Um, You know, I want people to come in with fresh ideas and ideas because I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty basic human being. I like simple food and I like beer, <laughs> I like hanging out with people. So, you know, my kind of events would be a German beer hall. I would basically just do my version cool. of a German beer hall. That would be it because that's pretty that'd cool. be it every day because that's what I like doing. <laughs> but, you know, like other people are like, well, you like doing other stuff, you know? So I think it's, it's what's around, right? And like, you know, the licensing rules of music, if it's live um, and not electric, are quite chill. So like, why not have classical days? You know, why not have... Uh, you know, working from home, pop-up spaces. Uh, there's all sorts you can do. It just depends on where we end up, I think, really. Um, but no, I think I, I like the idea of the cheering one, you know, get folk in to help support others. Um, I think it's a good way of meeting people, supporting people. Um, I like the idea of if there's all folks homes nearby, is either having them come in or go to them if it's not possible, especially because with alcohol-free, right, it's safe for them to have. Um, and at 2.8 as well, you know, now I'm getting on, I'm, I'm starting to feel 5%. I can't think what it's going to be like when I get double my age. I'll probably hammer it 2.8%. But um, you know, these are things we can do. And I just think we can try and make, I guess, really, I'm hoping that the Wayne's World model happens where if you build it, they will come. <laughs> um, you know, which I know technically from Field of Dreams, but Wayne's World did it way better. Yeah, did, did it better, uh, obviously. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm hoping that you know, that will happen. And then if we can engage with folk around us, then they'll they'll help guide us because I want spaces where, you know, folk can have, like, proper debates. Like, we don't do proper debates anymore. It's all sensational journalism. And, you know, we're getting lost in a world of, of opinions rather than actual facts and figures. And then, 
you know, motivational speakers, why don't we build a platform for folk to come in and just tell people their story? Because it can be a wonderful thing for people to hear and be like, oh, shit, I relate to that. You have to relate to all of it. You might relate to one bit of it. But it can also be incredibly healing for the person doing it. I mean, I did a, a talk on depression um, at the London Business School uh, TEDx conference. And, you know, at the time, I was sort of mellow until it started. And I think I probably peed myself a bit. And then at the end, I ran away and hid for about half an hour because I was like sort of quite overcome with sort of sharing all this. But now I look back, though, honestly, for me, on a, a selfish level, it's probably one of the most helpful things I think I did to really overcoming kind of my mental state of knowing I've been had depression for life. And, you know, I think you can build these situations that can help people. But, you know, who am I to tell them what that situation is? Like, people got an idea and it's, you know, a positive idea that's going to help them or help other people, then hell yeah, get it done. Like, why not? I don't, you know, I'd like to have random stuff happening um, that can kind of cater to the folk that are there. Um, even like educational things. And, you know, I really want to try and hopefully we can build them with, like, you know, full adult changing toilets so that, you know, folks with adult kids who are severely um, disabled, sorry, my PC terminology is terrible. Nice. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Um, you know, that they can come. And it's a space where they can feel that they can come in and hang out and we'll support them and be like, it's all good. You know, shit happens. I've got mates who have no excuses and still pee themselves and they drink too much. So it's not really <laughs> a, uh, an issue, you know? And um, yeah, hopefully we can just actually build something that is truly um, welcoming, I suppose would be the word. Because if you aren't welcoming, you aren't really inclusive, right? No, exactly. What, what it comes across really? as, what it comes across as is it sounds like the alcohol piece of it is secondary it's more a village or town hall where it is for the community and it's the events that you know is going to cater to the community and the alcohol is just there as a secondary thing to drink if you want to but really it's a meeting place and it's a place for people to come together to not feel alone to feel encouraged I mean you could have open mic nights there's like loads of stuff that you could do that would be great for the community and I think just the idea of it what when you were talking just now it came up in my head it's like village hall town hall like gathering of people coming together to sort of do things that are going to benefit them and I, I think that's 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 really a really great thing that definitely is worth supporting in my opinion so. i think you're um i mean you're, you're you're spot on i think when i first pitched this to folk because i guess i'm probably the one with the weird ideas that's driving it <laughs> i'm lucky to have folk who seem to think like it might be okay in the end and um i sort of said like you went back in the day far enough right towns had a church and a pub i'm like i don't really want to be the next scientology so i'll build a pub <laughs> i was gonna say like all of this sounds like what the real village pub is about and was for it was about community and being the center there and yeah you went and had a point but really it was about the meeting place and getting together absolutely and that honestly is what i'm trying to bring back i miss it i grew yeah. up in northeast scotland in the hills i say in the yeah. hills i was in town near aberdeen i had to extrapolate out i was in the hills yeah totally i was um <laughs> well, a nice town actually but uh you know i do miss being able to sit in a pub with my mates and chat and like you go to London, and they're on some cracking pubs here, and some cracking tap room pubs, but they're all a bit, you know, it's really loud. Wait, don't get me wrong, I enjoy this. I enjoy it in the right settings, but I think there's something very nostalgic, but in a really good way, in a refreshing way, to bring back the idea of face to face conversations yeah. where 
okay maybe people are on their phones but they're not constantly sat there like this in front of their face which is you know it happens people check their phone a message pops up like that you know but I think nowadays there's less of a let's meet up and have a conversation than it is we're going someplace the music's loud we're enjoying the music we're just checking our phones we're tap we're untapping things and we're instagramming things I mean I'm guilty of it I know everyone's guilty of it at times and I think your idea definitely as Joe said it's bringing it back to like the original version of the pub and like I said it's it's almost like your beers are great but it's almost like they're secondary to just that back face-to-face conversation in-person pub experience and I think that's it's there's something really um, endearing about that and I think it's something that not a lot of people when they build their tap room you know a lot of people go oh I want it to be a, a space for artists and I or I want it to be a space for whatever and it, and it sounds like you're just saying I want it to be a space that serves the community and and I think there's not a lot of people within this industry that might be people's idea of ultimately what they want but it's it's it doesn't sort of hit in the same way as the way you've just explained it. And and I think that's really um, a great and important thing for the craft community to have, because I think there's a lot of people doing really great things, focusing on really great things. But I think one thing that doesn't necessarily get thought about is how do you serve the immediate community around me? And how do I translate that so I can do that in other areas, but serve their community, not just my idea of what their community is? Yeah, and that's the hope is we can kind of, I like the idea that anywhere you know, if we get big enough, that'd be nice. But you could go from like the local in London um, to the, the local of Edinburgh to the local of, you know, somewhere else, Orkney or, you know, Ireland somewhere. And you know what you're going to get, right? You'll know what the core beers are. You'll know that it's fully accessible. You know that the bar is set up with, you know, tablets. So you don't have to be able to speak to people to order if, if, you're, if you're struggling with that for whatever reason. Um, but at the same time, you don't know what you're going to get in terms of, layout in terms of what does this place do on a Friday night? One might do, you know, the the old wagon wheel cover acoustic sets. The other one might do the reverse. We do quiet Friday nights, no music, <laughs> but you can come and have a chat, <laughs> you know, but it will be, that's the kind of differentials and, you know, the decor will match whatever we think would complement the area it's in, um, you know, and I think that's, that's what I'm hoping is we can get somewhere like that. But I mean, obviously, as much as I think, I think the idea is legs. If I can't sell the beer because the beer is crap, it doesn't really matter how great my ideas are. So hopefully the beer is okay as well. Well, yeah, just just back to that, the black lager. It's it's, it's lovely. It's roasty. Yeah. I'm getting cacao, like the, the chocolate cacao nibness. I'm getting coffee. It, it, it's, it's, it's really... Lovely. It's really nice. So I'm no it's like exactly no... what I wanted on a Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'm not gonna feel crap by the end of it. Not that yeah. I, not that when we record I do we don't drink that much, but it's nice to know that I could have a few of these and by the end of the night I'm not like, oh I've got a headache, I've just got to go to bed. <laughs> but it's exactly like yeah, it's exactly absolutely. what you want out of it. Yeah, as I said, it's uh, it was a really lovely, happy accident, that one. Um so I'm, I'm happy that yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy <laughs> it's my favorite label the taste is brilliant best accident ever i'll take it yeah yeah no we're pretty glad how it turned out and uh definitely excited for the uh the planned version to come out um hopefully the next month nice we'll have to keep eyes out for that basically 
do you want to tell us what's upcoming? Is there anything you want to talk about that's upcoming for you that you want to promote? Social medias, your social, anything you want anyone to know about before we wrap up? No, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like, no, don't do it. Yeah, open it no, <laughs> so, no um, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we've got obviously our website, so anyone's listening can go find it, siwcbrewery.com. And we use the same handle for our social media. So it's at siwcbrewery um instagram is probably the main one but we do feed into uh facebook and twitter so uh you know one day maybe we'll get big enough to separate those out and be all fancy but at the moment it's kind of a one shot beats all um but yeah it's think, efficiency yeah it's efficient it's cost effective which yes. is also more sustainable um <laughs> the uh the yeah upcoming we've got um artificial music hells coming out uh called tonic nights so we'll have that and kind of lager day saints probably do a little push through Oktoberfest. um and then in october we'll have a sort of limited run of whiskey barrel age black lager um i'm quite excited that one we've commissioned an art piece um by an amazing artist from columbia and it's all around depression and mental health um Ooh. So hopefully a few folk can pick up the can and have some proper conversations over it, which would be nice. Um, you know, that's kind of, I guess, with everything we're trying to do is it, it, if, if you're getting the cans, drinking at home, we still want you to be having chats with folk. You know, don't be alone. I'll reach out to us. If you hit us up on Instagram, it'll probably be me you get. We're still quite small. So if you want to have a narrative, do say hi. I do try and respond uh, in a timely fashion. Um, yeah, we've got those coming up. Um, you know, we've got other recipes which we're finalizing. And I think... So those ones, I'd love to release them all right now, but we also sell some beer. So we're trying to get that kind of, we're going through a big reorg at the moment. Um, we're then going to kind of start trying to do a fundraising round. So if anyone is interested, we'll be releasing kind of the, the help us and get rewards. We're also going to be doing some NFTs, um, which will kind of be like having member cards, but you get to own them for life in, in you know, have that coded on your phone, which is quite cool. So we've got some NFT artwork being commissioned along with kind of things that are based around different beers and, you know, what we have. Um, so all that hopefully we're coming out kind of late this month, next month, as we try and get some money in to hopefully uh, get ourselves our first home. Um, and obviously if you've made it this far without being too bored by me, you'll know what that's all about. Um, and yeah, that's probably kind of where we're at, at the moment. And hopefully we can kind of, um, I don't know, grow and really put our, uh, I guess I'm honey where our mouth is really. Um, you know, I've tried to do that so far. Um, but, you know, the first step is trying to brew great beer because without that, it doesn't really matter how great your ideas are. Um, so hopefully the beers are pretty good and folks are going to enjoy them. And then hopefully we can kind of build from there and, you know, try and support others and keep going. Now that's brilliant. And I think I, I, I can think of a few other breweries in particular and, and pubs that I think fit in exactly with your sort of ethos and, and, and your way of thinking as well. And hopefully, you know, you'll have the support of others as well. And, and I think if there's any, you know, pubs, tap rooms, anything else that's looking for sort of low, lower range, more sessionable stuff to offer as a guest beer, could they reach out to you directly? And do you do yeah, selling absolutely. at that level? Or? No, we have, um, we have Lagerday Saints, uh, Shetland Pony, Short Stack and Lumberjill all kegged. Um, so we have them in keg stock eggs. Other kegs are available. Um, and then we obviously have everything canned as well, um, 440ml cans. But yeah, no, please, um, if anyone is interested, we'd love to get some kegs on tap. That's something we have struggled with. So if you have spaces, let us know. Um, otherwise, if you're interested in cans, you know, hit us up on the website um, and just say hi. The email at the bottom comes straight through to us and we'll definitely, trade inquiries are always as 
welcome as a direct purchase. Brilliant. There you go. There you have it. Thank you so much, Maddie, for joining us. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like um, I can really, I think I can speak for both Joe and I. I feel like we can really relate to a lot of what you were talking about as well. And I think your visions of the future are great and and really wishing you all the success. And I hope people reach out and they try your beer. Literally, you could get the, what I really love the most is that you can get one of each thing that you have out at the moment in a six pack like I think that is yeah. really great so I was like I can't make up my mind what to try oh there's a try everything pack. I'm just gonna go with that so um most important question before we say goodbye what's your dog's Instagram uh my dog's Instagram <laughs> is at Akita uh max underscore snacks nice and again probably wrong. I'm pretty confident that's where it is though I'm going to find it and I'll put it in there anyway. It'll go in the show notes with all your links If you find us on the homepage, he's tagged there. Or if you find me, he's tagged in my Instagram. (laughs) You can find me in Maggie as well. But uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But like anyone wants to reach out and say hi, you know, I'm always happy to discuss mental health things if anyone's interested in that or experiences with living with wheelchairs um, or how to rescue a giant dog from Ireland. And there's other topics that I have experience of. (laughs) That's quite amazing intelligence base yeah <laughs> definitely don't say yourself short on that yeah. thank you again hope everyone enjoyed this definitely. We'll no, thank you, you so much it's been we'll wonderful thanks guys. thank you genuinely I, I feel like I could talk to Matty for ages like I feel like I've genuinely like related to so much of what he was <laughs> yeah. saying in the sense of like working a day job and then sort of doing stuff on the side and like you know drinking beer but also sometimes wanting something that's a bit more sessionable I thought that was a really great conversation and apologies in advance to Matty because we kept him much later than we were supposed to I think he was fine with it I think I definitely talked his ear off like, after that I was just like yo I mean it's fine <laughs> I just I probed him about yeast strains so I think we got we could think I think we both got our hits in there I think we definitely did and again I feel like I did it I I, I got vibes that you were like I saw you coughing away in the background at one point so I was like I'm gonna keep going but then I felt bad because I was so excited to talk to him about things he was saying I think I talked to Siroff so apologies Matty it's been a not quite back yet everybody it's getting there you're nearly there though you are nearly nearly there there. it was more I saw you go on mute and then I saw (laughs) a lot of coughing so if you've watched the video I bet you see look for the point in which Joanne uh, looks like she's just me dying in the background but it's fine because I had a beautiful black lager to drink (laughs) yes and well done to Matty for just (laughs) keeping going not saying anything I was like I was thinking like I really hope He's, he's he might notice that that he's going to stop but then i was thinking maybe we should do a, a, a welfare check <laughs> because i was like oh no but yeah that was a brilliant conversation yeah. oh, this black lager is amazing it's great i can't wait for the um i want to get the, the barrel aged one when it comes out for sure yes, and i think it's so tasty for something that's just obsessionable beer it's like 0.8 percent beautiful that's exactly so, what i wanted on my monday night exactly you want something but you don't want too much but like you want to when you want a nice dark beer that's this is like perfect for that um but yeah if anybody has a a pub or a tap room or something and you're looking to fill up a slot that is a low or no alcohol reach out to matty reach out to just reach out to the brewery speak to them um because i definitely think like their ethos alone is a reason to support them you know i want to see them around in six months time i want to see when they open up that chain i think the ideas are brilliant so very excited about that if if people want to come and talk to you about black lagers and the low abv black lagers where can people find you 
Um, if you'd like to come and talk to me about my love of black lagers and why this one is so good, I am a woman's brew on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, if you'd like to come and learn about what makes a black lager so beautiful, you can come to my beer school, which is Love Beer Learning. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I generally hang out on Instagram. Uh, we are also on TikTok and Pinterest. Uh, we also have a. <laughs> we also have. You love that one. You love that. I've got so many. Do <laughs> I love counting? It makes me so happy. <laughs> we also have a website which is lovebeerlearning.co.uk and you can contact us by email at lovebeerlearning at gmail.com. We will pick up emails for the podcast there as well if you'd like to tell us who you want us to talk to, where you want us to go, what uh, what you want us to talk about. Is there a beer site? Do you want to know more about black lagers? Shall we get more in? Because Who's I got dogs? be happy about that. Who's, Who's got dogs got we can dogs? go see? <laughs> <laughs> who wants to introduce their dogs to us? Because Phelan would love it. She tried a cameo, but we shooed her away, poor thing. She's so mad. <laughs> she did. She tried at the beginning, and I was like, now, nah, girl, you got to go. <laughs> Sorry, if people would like to talk to you about your love of dogs and about poor Phelan and how we ostracise her from this podcast, where can they get hold of you? I feel like if you want to talk to me about dogs, more for you, because <laughs> I could talk about dogs probably longer than I could talk about beer. <laughs> but you can find me in one place, one hot place only, and that is instagram adventures underscore in underscore optimism and from there i'm going to go finish this amazing black lager with an amazing can design on it beautiful cheers cheers (laughs) 